You're listening to Good on Paper, a bookish podcast. I'm Jenny. And I'm Rachel. Join us as we journey together into the land of fiction, where the men are brave, the quests are epic, and everything is better on paper. Hi, everyone. Hi, guys. We're back, and today we are going to be talking about writing, specifically what we need before we start writing, you know, chapter one of the first draft. So basically outlining, world building, whatever it is that we do before we actually start writing. Yeah. What are our necessities before we're prepared to actually start the book? So I would say that my method has changed a lot over the years. When I was a kid, I usually go right in, but I didn't finish a lot. And the one time I actually did finish a book as a kid, was when I didn't write anything, anything down, but I kind of had like a scene by scene, like a movie in my head. Hmm. So it's never written down, but I remember, you know, like falling asleep at night, I would just like think about my book and I would like daydream about it all the time. So I knew exactly what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And that was the only thing I ever finished. So that could be a sign that I'm a plotter. <laughs> I don't know, but I normally don't plot. Yeah. No, we didn't. Do you normally not plot at all still? Um, I went through a phase, so right after I joined, like, writing Instagram, I started learning about plotting, and so I tried out Save the Cat, what else did I try out? I did try out, like, the Story Genius method, which is kind of Save the Cat, but it's more like a team focus, like, what, this happens, which follows, and then this happens. So I was, for a time, very, very strict plotter. Um, like to the point where I like did scene synopsis, I did like all the world building and the character building and all of it. I was super detailed. And it works to an extent for me, but I think that it's just like a little too rigid and it takes out some of the excitement of like writing. Because I do think that I am able to figure out much of it as I go. So it's kind of like, I feel like I waste time. By like doing it, you know what I yeah. mean. Like if I can figure it out as I write, why am I wasting all this time bringing out four, and then I still have to write, and that still takes the same amount of time. So for yeah. me, not plotting is more like a time-saving step. As much like I'll do a rough outline, so I know like the key points, like the inciting incident and the midpoint, and this and that. But yeah. doing individual scenes is kind of like waste for me. So that's fair. I feel like. No writer ever starts out with one process and they keep that process their entire career. So, like, yeah. you kind of try everything to see if what somebody else is doing works for you or not. And then you're like, oh, mm-hmm. no, that's, or part of that works, the other part of that doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. I would say what's more important for me is just understanding the world. So, like, world building, like the big structure, the little structures, I kind of fill in, like, details about the world building that comes out as I track. Um, but just like understanding like the big things, like how do the characters make money? What mm. do they eat? Um, in fantasy, it doesn't really matter, but in like historical fiction, it matters more. You know, I, I need to know that because I can't just make it up. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. So I would say that's probably the most important part. Maybe a little character building, but again, those details generally come out as I write. They do. Do you use like a specific kind of like, world building 
like they have like those questionnaires and stuff you can find online to help answer about your world building, or do you mm-hmm. kind of like go with it? I've tried that, but they're always too rigid for me. Like some of the things I need, and some of them I don't. So right now, what I do is I just world build until I feel like, like I feel like you know when you're ready to write. Mm-hmm. Like you know when you have enough background. So yeah. I'll just world build like random stuff, really the most important stuff. So like, how does a character make money? What does their, their day-to-day life look like? And then once I know that, what they eat, I'm pretty much set. I mean, I guess for me, it's just like, how yeah. night life and what they eat and how they make money. I mean, I think that's like the most important thing you need to know, which I wonder if that's the same for every writer. There's other writers that might be totally different, but for yeah. me, that's like the big things that I need to know before I start writing. I feel like, like you said, like my process has definitely changed when I was younger. And I, it must be just when you're younger, nobody has the patience to plan because I didn't plan either. I just jumped yeah. right and was like, I'm just going to get a book. And then I was, my problem, the reason I actually started outlining was because I would get to a scene where I didn't really know what I wanted to happen. And then I would just stop writing. And I would go be mm-hmm. outlining to know what to make the scene. Yeah. And so then I came up with this idea for this epic fantasy trilogy maybe somebody i'll write it when i was uh, a freshman in college and i spent months writing an outline for this trilogy and i just used blank paper and i wrote in cursive on the front and back and just like one on long going paragraph for like 100 pages of just this mm-hmm. long going outline never did write the book <laughs> but i am yeah, so you have the outline, you could write it now, you know, or like sometimes that's the line. Yeah, I mean, at the time, I didn't know what story, story structure was, so I'm not sure if there's any fit or not. Um, yeah. It would probably need a lot of work, but I've tried, um, I think it was K.M. Leland, I tried oh, her yeah. outline process. She, her website and her newsletter and stuff, like, yeah. so much of that one like the pinch points and like that's where I would suggest if you have done like Save the Cat and you understand Save the Cat and the three act sword structure, um, go look at Pam Wyland because she like breaks it down even more. Yeah. And yeah, I really like that sword structure. Yeah. If you go on her blog helping writers become authors, <clears throat> she has there's a search bar and you can just put in like midpoint and it'll bring up like those blog posts for you to look at. So highly recommend. I, she, she has like a, like she'll, like she, I can't remember where I found it on there, but she shared like her actual outline process. Mm-hmm. And so I tried that one time. And that's what I had used in the last couple of years, which is like you title the scene, the date of the scene, who's the perspective, what's the purpose of the scene, all this kind of different stuff. And then you write down what the scene's going to be about. And for me, but I mean, you've read part of my outlines of the Legends of Avalon yeah. book. Yeah. Like, it was like long mm-hmm. paragraphs for everything. Um, which, I mean, it, it functions for a lot of people, but I don't know. It just wasn't working as well for me the last yeah. time I tried to use it. So with this newest series, I was like, we're just going to try something totally different. Yeah. So as far as outlining, I made out a three-act structure. And I filled in all of the points on the three-act structure without having any kind of outline otherwise at the time, of just, like, things I thought would happen at these points in the story. And then I got out, I made a, a piece of paper that has little blocks on it that fit the smallest sticky okay. note. And yeah. then I just used a sticky note that size for each scene in the book. And, like, I would 
I can't remember exactly the process, but I was like, okay, I think this book is going to be 90,000 words. And usually my scenes are about 30,000 words long. So knowing that, you know, yes, that you could factor out how many scenes the book would be. And then I was like, okay, if the midpoint happens at 50%, that means it's going to happen at scene 41 or whatever. So I would put those yeah. things in first, and then I filled in the rest of the sticky notes. And that's the outline I used to write the book, and that was it. And it was so yeah. much easier, and it was very effective. Yeah, I feel like for me, I don't, because some people, I think they need to lay it out in front of them, like this goes here, this goes here, this goes here, and like put in, like, using all the detail. Yeah. And then other people, probably don't need to know anything they just go into it. and that's not me i like to know the structure in my head but like not like plan it out it's just like something in the back of my mind like as i write yeah kind of a more thing and so i think the most important thing for me is i'm basically like you but slightly less is i need to know the three act structure so i need to know what my beginning feels like yeah and what my um act one part one feels like and what my act um or no act two but, you know th- there's four yeah, parts yeah. to the three act structure so you've got act one and you've got act two part one act two part two which is after the midpoint and you've got your act three so i have to know like the turning points and i have to know because for me it's like a mood shift like if you watch mm-hmm. a movie so like okay so you take Lord of the Rings so act one is like the shire it's green yeah it's happy it's cottage blah 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 and then yeah. um Act one, part one, or act two, part one. <laughs> so the next part is like the adventure part, and that's like the part that you put on your This is like the book talk. So this is like all the adventure and the sword fights and the teamwork and the bonding and this, that, and the other thing. So it's like exciting and shiny. And then after the midpoint, it's like a dark turn. So that's the darkest part. So it's going to be black and like gray, gloomy weather, and uh, all the darkest stuff is right there, and then you get to Act 3, and that's, like, the triumphant part, so it, like, pulls everything together, um, so I have to know, like, to me, it feels like a mood shift, like, mm-hmm. in each one, so I need to know that, and then, like, that's about it, like, yeah. I just need to know, like, where they're yeah. gonna be, like, kind of what they're doing in each point, and then, like, the individual scenes, I can just kind of, like, figure mm-hmm. out. Go. Even though it's sometimes more frustrating like that, because yeah. you sit down and you're like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I would say that there's, there's caveats to both, because like with writing it all down on sticky notes, there were plenty of times during writing it where I would come to a sticky note and I'd be like, what the heck does that even mean? Or yeah, right. I'd, be like, I'd be like, wait a second, can you say that? You know, I put like three sentences on those guys' sticky notes, which is kind of the point, because I noticed when I over-outlined, there was no creativity in the writing. I was just regurgitating what I outlined, but was like more finesse, and it wasn't fun. Mm-hmm. But anyway, but like even with those sticky notes, I come to a part where I'm like, like how? Wait, why is she there right now? Wait a second, this isn't. Uh. So I would have to do like a half an hour and sit there and try and figure out what that sticky note meant. But for the most part, it works for most times. But it's interesting because I do think it comes down to just how your brain functions. Because for me, yeah. I don't know what it is. I am a sticky note note card paper kind of person I have to have it in my hand and then I can type it up or whatever and make it more streamlined but I have to have it in my hands on my desk it's I just to have thoughts in my brain that aren't written down I think my brain is like a black hole and so if it's not written down I will lose it in there 
and I won't yeah. remember who it was. So for me, the writing down feels necessary, but for somebody else, their brain is like their own little storyboard in there, and they don't need to have everything yeah. planned out in the same way. So it, it definitely depends on the way your brain functions. I agree. And I, I am with you. There's something about the paper aspect. I remember the only draft, well, not the only, one of the few drafts I've ever finished was my Anglo-Saxon, like, historical fantasy that I was writing when I first joined writing Instagram, and I had it all out on index cards. And so I would bring those index cards with me wherever I went so that I could write wherever I went, and then I could lay them out. And I think I, and I did it, like, very mathematically, so I think I, like, have, like, 40 chapters or something, so it split, like, perfectly into, like, the three act structures, because I had, like, this many for act one, this many for act to, um, and that worked really well for me. And it's an index card, so you can't put that much on there. But like, I had some idea of what was going on. Yeah, I think it's hard sometimes, especially on Bookstagram, to not look at the way somebody else plans and go, "Oh, I should do it that way." And it's it's fine to find things because you never know what's going to work. But also, that works for them, and it might not work for you. Yeah, you know, a couple things that really work for me. Um, that I definitely recommend trying out is, so Emily Golden Edits on Instagram, she has this genius, I think it's like a nine-step scene template, so it starts off, and so it's like, the character's goal, what blocks them from it, character's new goal, and then it's like, it goes through these points where like, the character like makes a new goal, and then it's blocked from that, and then eventually it reaches like a boiling point, the character has to make a choice, and then that sets up, like, the next scene. And that I found super helpful at times. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I wouldn't say I do that for every scene when I'm making yeah. my whole outline. But, like, I might do that as I'm writing. Like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't plan out all my scenes using that method beforehand. But, yeah. like, if I sit down and I don't know what's going to happen, sometimes I'll do that. Um, and then another thing I found super helpful was not necessarily putting like word for word what the action was going to be, but putting in five senses. What is the sight for my character? What are the smells? What are the tastes? What are this? And that was so helpful. I don't know what it is because that like kind of built my action for me. I don't know. It just made it more alive and vivid. So I was like, okay, I can put in five senses for like what my character is experiencing in the scene. Yeah. Um, that was beyond helpful, and I think I came up with that with myself. I don't know if I thought that from somewhere. I probably did. I'm sure some other yeah. authors talked about that, but I don't remember who. But I definitely, um, I definitely recommend trying that, or you know, go check out Emily Golden Edits because that nine step yeah. scene breakdown is really helpful if you're stuck. And there's a lot of good stuff out there. We'll definitely link everything. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what I've learned from other people. I would say, like, that K.M. Leland outline that I used was awesome, and I highly recommend it. But it did kind of get me to the point, I think, which is a problem for me, where when you look at a scene from the perspective of what's the goal of the scene and what's the action that's going to happen or what's, you know, that kind of thing, it made me personally feel like each scene had to be this really big deal. Or this really big thing had to happen in order to make the scene worth writing. Now I've realized that if you have scenes like that all the time that are really punchy, then they 
they don't equate to anything because they're all time. Like, you're supposed to have, like, kind of filler scenes or, like, just scenes where the characters are getting to know each other or bonding or whatever. Um, so it's not, like, a reflection of her outline. It's just how I had a hard time using that outline without getting in that headspace. But I would say that's the thing I've learned while outlining is that not every scene needs to be a big deal. It can be small stuff to make up an entire scene, and that's okay. But that took me a while to figure out. There's other goals, you know, um, in the slower scenes, the goal might not be like a plot goal. It might yeah. be like a world building or a character development goal. And that's important too, but yeah. writing is just so complicated and it's such a like, balancing act that I think at first it's hard to like understand that. Yeah. Very much. Yeah. Yeah. So I think another one that I would recommend is the one I use now because it's kind of perfect for me. Is David Deverell's one one page novel. So what you do is it's basically like a key points. There's not a whole lot of scenes unless it's like one sentence. Is you take one paper, and she has a whole process. You can go through her YouTube video, but you plot out of order. So I think you do like the ending point last, and it's eight parts. Do the ending point last, and then I think you go and you do the beginning, so you can kind of see like the end is related to the beginning. And it all fits on one sheet of paper, so you don't have a lot of room for individual scenes. But you have an idea of, like, okay, like, what are the key points of the story? And then you fold it up at the end, and it becomes, like, a little book, and you can, like, read it in order. So this is the beginning, this is the next part. Mm-hmm. So I love that method. I think it's really fun, especially because there's a video. So even though, like, I know how it works, and I don't have to watch the video, I still yeah. watch it because it, like, forces me to slow down and really think through, like, what could go on. Yeah, I think anything that like simplifies the story structure and like the storytelling of it while you're outlining is invaluable. Yeah. Because story structure is hard. Mm -hmm. And especially like if you're writing um like more commercial genre fiction, like it's kind of necessary. Like you have to have it. Otherwise readers are gonna be like, something's not right. Or if they're writers, they might know exactly what's not right and they'll say something. They'll be like, you know, after the midpoint, get dragged or something yeah. like that, you know. Because um, apparently, I just learned this. So the difference between like commercial fiction, upmarket, and literary has to do with the prose and the structure. So commercial fiction is very it's the structure, it's the three act structure, and that's how it's written. Like it could be any genre, but that's how it's written. And then whereas literary is like they experiment the story structure so they might do something different and they also experiment with language so the prose might be experimental or artsy or whatever and then upmarket is in the middle and it combines them both so I think it generally sticks to the plot structure yeah. of you know commercial but it might experiment more with language or sometimes I think it can experiment more with plot but I think it's more yeah. likely to just experiment more with language yeah this is the and I was like, oh, that's because I've always heard like upmarket, and I'm like, what do you mean? No, yeah. <laughs> you know, a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, so if you're writing literary fiction, honestly, this episode is probably not that helpful to you um, <laughs> at all because yeah. we're talking about story structure. But if you write commercial fiction, which mm-hmm. that sounds bad, like I feel like when you say commercial fiction, it sounds like not good, but that's all I read, so. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's almost yeah. so it's not bad. Like, oh, no. 
It sounds like cheap or something, but it's not. It does. It, it does. Yeah. If you're writing commercial fiction, you probably want to stick to like what's in style these days for a story structure. Otherwise, your readers are just going to feel something off because like they're yeah. used to like a certain format. And it's going to be easier to write too because if you write commercial fiction, that's probably what you're reading. And so you're not going to feel happy with your book if it doesn't feel like a book that you would read. I, because it sounds like you don't have like a particular, which I totally get why, because I've tried those questionnaires online about like mm-hmm. character profiles or like world building or magic and stuff. And I'm just like, hey, about five out of these 30 questions were helpful. And the yeah. other 25 were just ridiculous. And I was like, I didn't, yeah. I don't think that answer anyway. Um, for this last book, I just did a note card for each species in my book, mm-hmm. and like with the simple things about them, which was fine for writing this first draft. But now, I think you can find a lot by reading back to your first draft, like where the gaps are in your world building, what you actually need to know. Because now I'm like, okay, there are gaps, and I do need to kind of flesh it out and make everything more realistic. But I have found the hardest time trying to find a good, like, any, like a planner or something on Etsy where it's just like pages of world building or whatever. So I printed, I bought and printed out with, I think, five different planners mm-hmm. and just picked and chose the pages from each one that I like okay. so together as my own planner. So I was like, this is the information I need. Cause I, yeah. and I, I always wanted to start time with world building, keeping it organized and knowing what questions are most important and I still yeah. don't necessarily know the answer I just know that I need to know some kind of base knowledge before I start writing it would be great if you could have it all perfectly organized before you start writing but I don't know yeah. if that's specific but I think you realize more about what you really want out of your magic or your creatures or whatever as you start writing and then you're like oh okay this is what I need to know yeah. or whatever but yeah it's that's a hard one for me to keep organized what I do lately, is, and this worked really well for my Kindle Bella, is I, so I wrote it all, and like I kind of kept notes when I was writing, but not really. And then during my read through, because I use Scrivener, which I don't know if you use Scrivener. Uh-huh. I, I love Scrivener. Like, I don't know all the different things you can do, but I know enough that I can use it. Yeah. Because they have so many separate files, so what I would do is as I was reading, I would just add all my world building details to certain files, and I would organizing so I was like okay this is location this is characters this is like I I think I had a section that was like literature and culture like of the world you know and I had all these different things and as I was reading I would put each detail in there so Mm -hmm. when I go through and I revise it then like I said I can fill in holes like you did um so I think I'm definitely more like I organize after the first step like I can't do it before it's just it's just there's too much going on for me, when you're writing a story, a book is just so unwieldy. It's like mm-hmm. I can't get to that step until I at least have the first draft. You know? it's almost like, because like with the character profile thing, like I think like maybe five questions that I want to know before I start writing, but the rest, yeah. it's, it's almost like having a baby and trying to predict yeah. what personality mm-hmm. a baby has. Mm-hmm. Like I can kind of tell yeah. you a little bit, but from the way it acts as a baby. Really, I know about three things about this kid until it grows up, and then I can tell you everything. So it's like you don't really know until you start writing it what kind of character you're really writing, or even what kind of world you're really writing. Because like the number of times I start off thinking that I'm writing one trope, and then it turns into 
a different trope, and I'm like, oops, never mind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah I'm the same way, too. So, cause I feel like, at least for us, it turns into a waste of time. The more stuff we yeah. do beforehand, it just changes, and you're like, well, why did I bother? Um, so for me, actually, my biggest thing for character development, like, versus a questionnaire, what I will do is, like, a character journal. So I'll just start, my name is, like, in the character, and I'll write, like, in the character, and I'll just rewrite. And that's generally been my best character building device, not a questionnaire. I have used, because Scrivener comes in with a built-in questionnaire, and I normally fill those out. So it's, like, age, location, name. And sometimes I'll fill out the whole thing. Sometimes I'll leave parts blank. So, like, I don't know yet. But those are helpful. I do, like, those sheets. But if I don't have all the answers to all of the questions in there, I don't follow it. Because you'll figure it out when you're writing. So it doesn't really matter. I agree. And that's interesting that you say that about writing a journal entry. Because something that I I tried doing recently that helped a lot was writing a scene. Like, I haven't started the book. I haven't outlined anything, but I just randomly start writing a scene about my two main characters interacting together. And then just by writing them interacting together for like 500 words, I'm like, that's who you are. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Now I know you a little bit better. That helps a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I feel like they come to life. My world and my characters come to life as I'm actively writing. Like, it's like something happens. It's like I'm not even doing it. They're just like coming through me. Because I feel like I can't get to that when I'm just, like, world-building or character development. Like, I, my fingers have to be built yeah. to get it. And I don't know why that is, but how it is. So I think it's like <laughs> you have to kind of have your organizer brain turned off enough that your creative brain can fully be on and make yeah. it up. Yeah. yeah. I think you're right. Um Oh, there's one other thing, resource I wanted to throw in here that is also helpful, and it is Romancing the Beat by Gwen mm-hmm. Heath, and it is like basically your romance novel plot. Because the thing is, with you know the hero's journey and Save the Cat, a lot of times in those outlines, the romance is the B story, while mm-hmm. you know other action subplots the A story. And if you're writing a pure romance, you might need a different outline, or even if you're doing like a fantasy romance where it really is the A story, but the romance yeah. is such a big part of it that um, you have to think about it a little more. I definitely recommend Romancing the Beat because she goes through beat by beat the standard love story. So if your readers who love romance, they kind of like expect you to get these points, yeah. and it might not feel quite right unless you do get those points. So that's yeah. another one. I personally don't use it anymore because I've started straying away from writing either strictly romance or like a stereotypical romance, like in a fantasy. Mm-hmm. I write a lot more now, like kind of inspired off of fairy tales. Mm-hmm. So it's a little more, there's a lot more like separation that happens in mine. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't know, I guess it's 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 probably more like the traditional like save the cat where like romance is in there but it's not like you yeah. huge by B kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, so I don't use it so much anymore, but when I was writing like I did write a contemporary romance, right? Yeah. I went through like three drafts of it, I had it sent to an editor 
Um, and I never published it because I was like, I don't think this is the direction I want to go. But yeah. it was super helpful when I was writing just like a straight contemporary romance. Yeah. So I definitely recommend that one. Yeah. I feel like with romance, it's kind of like um, when you're talking about the commercial fiction versus literary. I feel like if your romance is the B plot, you can kind of you can kind of do whatever you don't want. The romance, like if you don't want to have the breakup at the seventy five percent, you don't have to. So it's the B storyline. It's not the A. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. People aren't waiting for a conflict in the romance; they're waiting for a conflict in the story. Yeah. So you have more wiggle room. But if it's just romance, you kind of have to hit certain points within the romance to zap the story. You do. Yeah, I was thinking of you with mm-hmm. the romance in the B because I know you get annoyed with oh. the breakup at the seventy five percent point. <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah. Really? I'm depending on how it's done. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think sometimes I think people put it in there because, like, it's expected, but mm-hmm. it maybe it doesn't work for that story. And I think yeah. that's probably what annoys you. And I think, too, is like, and this is a total tangent. Here we go again. <laughs> it feels like the breakup, like, I'm not, it's not a YA I'm reading, it's a rom com for an adult. And yet the breakup sounds to me like something a teenager would do. Yeah. I'm like, a teenager would react like this. You're a grown man. Why are you acting out? Like, I guess the way it's handled always to me makes the characters look really immature. And I'm like, I understand maybe you guys need space. Or maybe you're confused right now. So you need to be, be by yourself for a few scenes to get, you know, get through, whatever. I'm like, why aren't you communicating like adults? Instead, you're acting like little kids. And so that's what, that's what I think most annoys me is the way the characters are written when they have that moment. I'm like... <laughs> well, actually, that kind of really leads into the next point I was going to bring up, is when you are writing something with an A-plot and a B-plot, or even just like a romance, straight A-plot, one thing to be careful of is you you don't have to do this before you start writing. Um, you can do this after your first draft. Is look at your points, look at your turning points in the story, the midpoint inciting incident, all these big moments. And are they are they turning on the plot points of plot A with the action? Or are they turning on plot points of plot B, the romance? Because that will give you an idea of which your main plot is. And yeah. then if you are doing a romance, um, one thing to look at, um, and this is what leads into your point, is whether the romance inciting incidents and midpoints and the break of the end, is that based on an external force or an internal? Because I think these days, um, people are more into internal conflict. Yeah. So that would be they broke up because of miscommunication and feelings. Yeah. Versus if you're doing like more external conflict, I don't know if you can mix and match. I don't write romance enough to know if you can like mix and match. Mm-hmm. So like sometimes yeah. it's internal, sometimes it's external. But like if you have, and this is how I wrote, I write romance more externally. So if yeah. you have their characters, the breakup at the end doesn't have to do with them, but an external force yeah. that like, drives them apart. So it's not as psychological. It's more like action And that a lot of times can be easier to write because, like I said, your characters can have like a perfect, mm-hmm. good love that there's no like angst or toxicity or, you know, all yeah. this drama. But it's more like their love against the world. Mm-hmm. Kind of like that's what they're fighting yeah. is like external yeah. forces are trying to keep them apart, which is not as popular in romance these days. I'll put it out there, but uh, 
that's something to keep in mind as you're writing, like, which one are you going for? Like, are you going for, like, psychologically, those are the barriers we need to cross? Are you going with a external forces are keeping them apart? You know, because yeah. it's going to be different writing both of those. And like I said, you might be able to mix and match it. I don't really know if that will feel off or not, because I haven't had enough experience finding it. It yeah. might feel off if you mix and match, but it might be fine. Yeah. Somebody, you know the answer to that. Let's know if you call. No, I agree. I think the, ex- like you said, the external conflict, I think it's a lot more cut and dry. It's easier because you don't have to worry about whether or not somebody's acting immature because it's not their fault mm-hmm. breaking up. Like, I, I won't give a lot away, but in this trilogy, I get, cause the trilogy is slightly different where as far as like the act, like, you know, the three act structure has to go over the trilogy itself, not just each individual book. So for the romance, in my particular trilogy, I do have a 75% mark kind of breakout, um, over the course of the trilogy itself. And it is more, it's, it's kind of half and half external and internal, but mostly it's an internal conflict that makes them break up. But the way that I tried to go about it that made it not feel annoying to me was that the characters expressed to each other what was wrong. And they had a conversation about, hey, this is where I'm emotionally at. I don't know how I get past this, but I'm going to try. And, like, it might take me some time, so I'm sorry, but this is where I'm at right now. And then the other character's like, I get it. And so it's and like, just, yeah. yeah. And they just kind of, like, take some space a while, but they discuss how they feel mm-hmm. so that it's not like, oh, I'm mad at you and I can't talk to you anymore. It's, yeah. this is where I'm at and I don't know how to deal with that. And the other person's like, that's okay, I can wait. And you're like, thank you, just being an adult right now. That's at least... I, Sounds so condescending about it, but that's how I feel. No, I love that, and I feel like it's so realistic. Mm-hmm. Like that happens in real life so much, and you get to a point where like you don't know because actually I started dating. So my fiance, we started dating, and we dated for six months, and then we broke up. Basically, that kind of situation. He's like, I just don't know, like what's going on right now. Um, and I was totally not on board with that. But, um, <laughs> I, I definitely learned a lot. I think then I think we were apart for about six months, and then we got back together. And even though I didn't want to separate, I see there's a lot of growth for me as well, and it was like a good thing. But yeah. again, like it's super realistic because sometimes like you can discuss it with somebody, but the discussion doesn't always fix it. And yeah. so you might really actually need that situate uh situation to like separate and figure it out. So I really love how you did that. That's perfect. Yeah, because I mean. I, I guess for me, a lot of, a lot of times to be emotionally, logically, I know my emotions don't have any ground to stand mm-hmm. on, but it doesn't mean I don't feel them anymore. Yeah. Like I, I know that I don't have a reason to be scared about this thing or upset. Like you know, I don't. I'm, I know, I know that this stuff totally makes sense, but I can't make the feelings go away. It's not like just the knowledge makes it all okay. You know. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, people feel that way when they read it. But I feel like there's ways to go about that kind of point within the story where it can be handled by two adult people who yeah understand what the other person needs. And, I, and if you love someone, also you want them to have what they need. So you're not going to act like petulant little kids, like oh, I don't ever want to see you again. It's yeah. hey, I need a minute to think about this. Yeah, because maybe like you know what they want and what they need, and you're just like, I don't know if I can do that to you. Yeah, and like. You can definitely have your characters have that conversation. Yeah. You know, you don't have to just, you know, leave it. And then there's also something to be said with blending internal and external. 
Mm-hmm. So you can have like an external reason that kind of relates to the internal reason, and maybe that's why they're not together. Exactly. You know, there's a lot of different ways you can do it without annoying your readers. Let's put it that yeah. way. <laughs> I don't know why I'm so sensitive to that particular part. I guess because I I didn't know what story structure was until like I don't know a few years ago, mm-hmm. and I kept getting annoyed. And I kept thinking, every story, they break up at the same point. What is this? Why do people keep sitting at the same moment? And then I realized it was story structure. And I'm like, okay, but guys, there's story structure. And then there's just being really predictable and kind of annoying. Like, let's kind of mix it up a little. And I think the problem with just doing the miscommunication or, like, having them be stupid all of a sudden is that in a romance, you want to root for these characters. When you get to that point, you're like, if it's done badly, you're just like, these people shouldn't be together. And yeah. you never want to feel like that. You always want to be rooting yeah. for them. But if they are so stupid and immature, you're like, okay, these people just need to go to therapy. And they should yeah. not be together. And you don't want your readers to feel like that. Because the point of a romance is you want to be rooting for them. So yeah. if you make them do stuff that's just way too stupid, mm-hmm. your readers are not going to want them to be together. And yeah. it's just going to ruin your whole book. <laughs> also, most of my characters in this book talk about being in therapy because I want to normalize therapy. So they all know how to talk about their feelings because their therapist is talking with talking about your feelings is a healthy option. Yeah. So they feel like that's a thing that in fiction just isn't there very often. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's become a lot more normalized, like, I think, in the culture. But I don't really see it. I see it in some books, but not really a whole lot. Yeah. That was totally a tangent. I know, we always go on tangents. But I think I listened off like every single helpful resource I could think of that I have tried. I think the only only other thing that I'd have to do before I start writing, which is so small and so stupid, but I'm pretty sure most of us do this, is I have to get pictures from the internet. Yeah. I was going to say, Pinterest board. Yeah. Every time. I can't write without it. And I... I sometimes do a playlist, but normally that builds, like, as I write. But, yeah, I have to have my playlist, and I will always listen to the same playlist when I write, because when I hear it, I'm like, it transports me to the world, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, playlist and Pinterest, those are super important for us. Mm-hmm. Even not for everybody, but definitely for me. <laughs> definitely, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think that um, wraps it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of a hodgepodge of different things there for you guys, but hopefully some of it is helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, definitely try out the stuff if you haven't tried it out before. Try out the stuff that didn't work for us because you never know what might work for you. Yeah. Um, maybe something totally different that we didn't even talk about works for you. Uh, let us know in the comments your favorite uh, world building, outlining, resources. Yes, we are always looking for new ones. Well, we'll see you next week. All right. Bye, everybody. Okay, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, We hope you enjoyed it and tune in next week for another episode. And if you enjoyed it, please consider leaving a review so that other people can find us. And we will see you in the future. Bye.